Hey guys, before you skip forward to the meat of the episode, please take a moment to listen to this because this is a company you need to know about. I'm really excited to share with you guys that I've partnered up with a wonderful company that's innovating how we connect with those that we've lost. That company is called After. And if you haven't heard about them, here are the details. They've created the first ever gravesite camera system. What that means is that they provide for you a camera that's solar powered for you to put in the gravesite of your loved one and you get a constant 24-7 live feed of that gravesite through your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever it may be. What's beautiful about that is that you can also share audio with the gravesite from the comfort of your home from your phone. So this is a beautiful way to stay connected when there's distance between you and the gravesite of the loved one, especially now during COVID times, travel restrictions, even if it's just distance that's separating you and you can't go visit the gravesite every month or every week or as much as you'd like, this is the way to do it. So Super cool. If you guys want to find out more, their website is after.live and that's A-F-T-R dot L-I-V-E. And if you use my code, which is death dash 10, you get 10% off your camera. If this isn't for you at the moment, make sure you go check them out regardless. Tell your friends about it because this is really powerful technology that everyone should be aware of. And now, welcome to episode 25 of the Conversations on Death podcast. My name is Lorena, and I'm your host for the Conversations on Death podcast. Death is the one thing we all have in common, yet it's one of the most taboo subjects in our culture. So, I invite you, dear deathling, to join my guests and I as we dive deep into everything death-related, and in the process, learn about the many lessons death has to teach us, the living. On today's episode, I talked to Tiffany Hopkins, who is a practicing medium and educator out of Lilydale, which is the world's largest community of spiritualists. Spiritualism is a religious movement that started in the 19th century based on a belief that the spirits of the dead exist and that we can communicate with them. And I've always been extremely fascinated by this topic because it's just so weird, really, and interesting to me that this movement took the country by storm. And I and I literally mean that. So I find this conversation with Tiffany really entertaining and fascinating because she takes us on a historical journey from the beginnings of spiritualism with the Fox sisters in the 1800s to modern day spiritualist churches today. She really sets the scene in what was happening in our country for this to have become such a big movement. And we're even seances were being held at the White House, in case you guys didn't know. Really entertaining, and we get into all sorts of discussions about mediumship as well towards the end. So I hope you guys enjoy. Tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we'll go from there. All right. Um, I'm Tiffany Hopkins. I'm a medium. Uh, at least that's the relevant part. I'm lots of things, I suppose, but <laughs> we're going to talk about that today. Um, I'm up in Lilydale, New York, which is like southwestern New York, um, you know, seven hours from New York City. So nothing like down there. Um, and I moved here three, a little over three years ago. I inherited this cottage that's been in my family um, for since 1910 and nobody wanted it. And I 
I did. And so I ended up here and I, I studied tarot for a long time before, um, or for, you know, since my early twenties and did some work with a medicine woman, you know, sort of expanded my spirituality. And then I moved here and within a few days I was studying mediumship. So, um, you know, it's been a little over three years of pretty in-depth, uh, time with spiritualism and discovering what that is for me, what the history is, what it is today. Um, you know, all of that. So that's me. So, um, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but I'm just curious what drew you at first to want to get into this. And and I mean, like, for example, like you said, in your twenties, you started doing tarot and stuff like that. Like what, <laughs> what called you like, yeah, that's a great question. And I don't know the answer. I just know I have always been sort of seeking, if you will. Um, I was, I kind of joke that I'm a recovering intellectual. So everything I did in my younger years uh, was studying and I was learning and just trying to understand. I really wanted to understand like what is going on here and um, things like tarot. And I did a lot of, um, kind of after tarot, I think the thing that sort of broke me open and started me really seriously down a spiritual path was traveling in Southeast Asia and visiting all the old um, temples and uh, experiencing ancient religions that are alive today. And it just, it made me feel something. And as an intellectual person, I didn't often feel that much that I could really connect with. And I think it was this sort of journey of understanding myself and the world and, you know, what the heck is going on <laughs> that it's just, I can't, I cannot not have it be, you know, at this point, like most of my life, it's, it's kind of slowly, slowly taken over all day, every day at this point. <laughs> mm. So since finding spiritualism, do you think you know what the heck is going on or do you think there's still room for growth and knowledge? Um, I have a couple answers. They're sort of almost to me silly at this point of like even asking what's going on is kind of, I kind of laugh about now because um, it, it just matters so little. <laughs> it's sort of shifted for me to be like, how can I be myself and how can I be alive and do all these crazy things humans can do and what uh, of all these things, what should I do? And so all of these tools, um, spiritualism, shamanism, um, like my, my own spirituality is sort of this big amorphous thing that, that doesn't, that I really can't define and is changing every day. Um, but it all, it has, helps me answer those questions. Really, like, what should I do right now? Like, <laughs> that might be the most important question. And that's what it helps me with. Yes, I think we are always looking for these like grandiose answers. But really, if you just focus on us and what's in the present moment, that's all we need to worry about. And everyone else, if everyone else was also worrying about the same thing, then everything would be a little bit smoother. Maybe. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine so. My life is now that I've, you know, gotten a little better at that yeah 
Well, thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's just get into spiritualism. If you want to define what it is and then start telling me about how I got started and when and all that stuff. I'd love to. I love talking about spiritualism. I love the smile Um, on your face right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm a total nerd. Um, So spiritualism is a movement, technically. Um, Right now in the modern day, it's a religion um, and a church and like a bunch of churches. But I'm going to talk about its early days. And in its early days, it was a movement, which means... It was a thing people did and people believed in, and um, it was something that changed. And it also happened very quickly, and it got very big. So, like, just to define what a movement is, um, it technically, they say it started in a farmhouse in central, north central, like what we'd call upstate New York, um, outside of Rochester, with a couple of young women, um, girls really, who were hearing these rap. Well, everybody could hear these rappings, but they were communicating with a spirit through um, rappings, as in like knocks on a wall or on the floor. Um, and what's important about that moment is not totally clear unless you think a little bit about the context of what was going on at the, that time. So it was 1848 that the the Rochester wrappings, they call them the Fox sisters. These girls started interacting with the ghost. And the, this was happening in the this part of New York that's now called the Burned Over District. There was all these um, revivalist movements, also movements, uh, religious revivals happening at this time. And it was happening all over the U.S., but there was something in particular happening at this part of New York um, where people you know, uh, people sort of lost interest in Protestantism. And it was so, you know, it came out of, especially in this area, it came out of a Puritan and Calvinist um, history and was quite, you know, in my opinion, I'm going to use the word dry and non-feeling and a lot of, and it was harsh. It was harsh and people were starting to want more. And what, you know, this, this time in this place was um, later called the Second Great Awakening, and and it was all these revivals that were happening. So a preacher would come to a town and put up a tent and preach about something, and usually it was about at that time um, what was especially meaningful to people was that we could all connect to God ourselves, and this was revolutionary. Um, it was what people wanted. This was the part, I don't know what else they were talking about in the revivals, but that was the part that carried on. Like that's the part that we all still kind of understand as, yeah, of course today. Um, but it wasn't, it was novel then. And so that was happening. Like people were starting to wake up to the fact that we could all have a connection with God, not just through a, a priest or a preacher or a church. Um, at the same time, this was, you know, Halfway through the 1800s, the American democracy was new and people were starting to see that they could enact change. And through through politics, through social movements, um, abolitionism was coming to the forefront. Women were, you know, 1848 is also the year of Seneca Falls, where the first, you know, women's suffrage meeting, convention, they call it, happened. 
people were like, we need change. And not only can we connect with God, we can change our government. We can change the ruling, you know, what's happening in this country. And also science and technology was like exploding. Um, We wouldn't, (laughs) it's so rudimentary compared to now, but People were starting to understand the human body. Um, they were starting to understand the human brain, just this tiny little bit. And um, people were starting to see that healing and care of the body was something that could happen. Like you weren't just, you know, the potential that you might heal, like recover from something and could be healed is, was um, a lot of times kind of a miracle. And it was becoming something you could actually do. So you sense a theme here, right? All these, like humans are sort of becoming um, like empowered, you know, all of a sudden all these things are happening. And then, um, you know, these wrappings happen. And I think they just, it was like, you know, I, I often compare it to the gold rush and the first discovery of gold in, in 1848 in California at first. Like, it's the same thing with the, right. the strapping. It's not like the first time someone talked to a spirit, but and it wasn't the first time someone found gold in California, but something happened, right? And, you know, there are a bunch of historical, like, look and read about the stories of who was involved and who shared the stories and who told who. And it was very critical, these specific people and for the Rochester Wrappings, it was um, a group of radical Quakers who sort of found out what was going on because it was a family friends that it was happening to and helped um, get the word out in a way. And because these were people of faith and people who <clears throat> had very good standing in the community, uh, people believed them and people came and listened and saw what was happening. And um, they believed it. They were radical Quakers because they were abolitionists. And while all Quakers at that time technically were abolitionists, they were really, they really believed it and had to, you know, separate from their church because the the rest of the church didn't believe it quite as much and saw what it was going to do to their lives and livelihoods. So radical to us now, it, it seems extreme, but at that time, it was something that simple. And um, and I just want to put that context in that to them, Quakerism in general is about connecting directly to God as well. But to them, there was a social aspect of this. You know, if you're connecting with God, it's for a reason and we have stuff to do, mm. you know. And they saw this connecting with spirit and spirits as a way to get help with the work that they're doing in the world. It wasn't just um for fun they were serious everybody it seems like when you look back everybody seems serious right but <laughs> these people were pretty serious Amen, business <laughs> that's right and um they helped you know get the get the word out and it wasn't didn't seem like they were doing that intentionally but they were sharing it and people got people got interested they're like what is this mm-hmm. and what is going on here? And, you know, immediately from the day one, there's tons of skepticism around this, tons of, like, we've got to prove this. Um, It was always about, is this real? Mm -hmm. 
at the same time, the more people that experienced it or went home and tried it themselves, because they're like, well, if that 15-year-old girl can do it, can I do it? Hmm. And then something happened. Uh, it, it just took off on its own. Okay, so I, I'm just more a little bit more curious about them, like the sisters. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Who were they supposedly communicating with? Is there a story behind that? Oh, yeah, there's a full on story. And it's also been discredited and then the discredited, you know, like and then recredited if that's yeah. possible and then discredited <laughs> again. You know, who knows what really happened? But the story of who they were communicating with is pretty clear. A peddler had come by the house um, a few years before they had moved in. They were renting the house. Their family was renting it. And the person who lived there at the time had killed him and taken his money and his things and buried him in the cellar, I want to say, or in the wall in the basement, Mm -hmm. something like that. And so it was this peddler who was – I kind of love this because it was about getting justice. And it like, it was a, like the reason they were taught, like he came to like, he wanted justice and it was, you know, a big part of, you know, not to fast forward even a few weeks in the beginning of the movement, but like talking to dead people helps you feel connected to the loved ones you've lost. And we all know that part of it. But that first thing was, there was no like healing or like, oh, this is um, making me feel better about my lost family members. This was like, this is about justice. This is about social justice. Um, so I, I always thought that was an interesting start. And of course, we want healing and we want to connect with our dead loved ones. Like that's a whole nother part of this story. But that wasn't how it started, interestingly. Mm. And I, I don't know if I'm correct in saying this, but is it true that at one point one of the sisters came forward saying that they made all of it up or something like yes. that? Yeah. And that okay. was the discredited part. Oh, okay. I mentioned yes. She did. Huh. Yeah. But but the story of the guy that was murdered and buried there is true, correct? Or so we- they did find about like I actually have just reading this um like a history of spiritualism from 1870 written by a, a medium and historian mm-hmm. named Emma Britton Harding, because she, she goes into pretty good depth on these women and, or, you know, women, we'll call them women. Um, and they, in, in that story, uh, that history, uh, it's, they said they found a body um, or there were, there found some remains. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also found the man who had, supposedly murdered the guy but they didn't press charges and you know history and like that kind of thing this kind of writing from 1870 is a little different on details than we would be today so I didn't feel fully convinced that they like proved it um but that hasn't ever been a main focus of is this real or not it's which is interesting because that would kind of prove it right but the what they went on to do was the part that um, really people focused on was was that real or not right so after this happens how does it grow into a movement from the entire country having seances and stuff like it's hard to wrap my head around yeah it was it 
Right. Because within a couple decades, millions of people are doing this in their home. Right. And that's just phenomenal. And, and that's why I give that kind of backstory of like, basically what I'm saying is the stage was set. People were hungry. They wanted, they wanted to, you know, what I failed to mention was the, the type of Protestantism practiced in this place, in the, in the country, in this time, you know, basically there was a lot of, um, Calvinism, which is even more sort of extreme type of, of Protestantism. And it all really had been a huge disconnect from the dead. So, you know, going back several hundred years, if you look at what Protestantism is about compared to Catholicism, especially, um, it really removed the individual's relationship with the dead in their, their life. And especially because, um, you know, you couldn't pray for them and the reason, like in order to get them to heaven. And that was because basically what they said was as soon as you died, however you were, you were immediately judged and sent to heaven or hell. So there's no point in having someone pray for you or having, you know, like there's no point in having a a relationship with that person because they're off, they're gone. There's no purgatory anymore to like help them to get to heaven, Mm -hmm. which is hard, right? I can't imagine living life like that, um, thinking that once I was done in this body, that's it. And whatever I did, um, that's where I was judged and I was going to heaven and hell. That's like mind boggling to even think about it. But did you ever fun. believe that? At any no, point no, I didn't. Um, so I wasn't raised, uh, I wasn't raised religiously and I definitely wasn't raised Protestant, um, mm-hmm. or Catholic for that matter. Mm-hmm. I had experience with all of it, but I never, you know, and it's in our culture so deeply that I think it affects all of us. Um, but I, people were like tired of that a bit. They're like, we are humans and we need to honor our dead. And, um, also like, that's ridiculous. I don't, I don't think that, you know, it's all over the day I die. And I'm saying those as like very simple statements that I think were just in, in human are just in humans. And spiritualism spoke to both of those very clearly of like, it's not over. First of all, for your own sake and for all your relationships sake. Mm. Mm. And so they just took it on, you know, they're like, yes, I'll take that. Thank you. So, um, how long did this, the seances specifically, how, how, what was the time period where it became really popular and you could see this happening in any household or is it any household? Um, it, so the funny thing about spiritualism, and sometimes this is a bit of a cop out, um, because I think I think we kind of have a sense for how prevalent it was. But um, spiritualists, spiritualism was a lot about at that time was about not being part of a religion, mm. and so you could either have it as an add-on if you had another religion, or you could give up your religion and be part of this movement, which didn't require anything of you, really. You didn't have to go to a church. You didn't have to pay it, you know, you didn't have to do anything. And people really wanted that. And so because there was no central organization, like nobody kept track of, there wasn't anywhere to like sign up. There's no, you know, anybody could say they were and then stop the next day, you know? So in that sense, there's not like records, like there would be with a normal church. Um, But some, you know, 
that that Emma Emma Harden Britain's history that I mentioned said there was I want to say 11 million spiritualists by when when the book was written in the 1870 oh gosh I've had too many numbers in my brain and don't quote me on that I can actually get you that the numbers but it was it was like a quarter of the population or something crazy like that's the that's the part that's crazy right um yeah the raw numbers really aren't that <laughs> that important until you understand um and that was a spiritualist you know estimate so we can say that may have been heavy but she she maintains it was still light and you know a few things after that first sort of like emergence happened and a big one was the civil war and everybody lost someone and this sort of technology was around. And so people who had been sort of a little more skeptical or holding out, whether there's their religion or whatever reason, um, they were a little more open to it. And while it was concentrated in the Northeast, it, it really what happened all over the country um, to some extent and, and all over the world mm-hmm. as well. Another thing that sort of coincided was um, the suffragette movement and the women's rights movement. And this, and actually they fed into each other quite a bit and women really um, led the kind of growth of, of spiritualism in a lot of ways. And it helped their cause and vice versa. Um, and for, if someone was to do that, Someone wants to hold a science seance. I can never say it correctly. Jesus. Um, in their household, do they need uh, basically to hire someone who is well-versed on how to hold this kind of event or just anybody, anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. And that's, that, that was another revolutionary part of, of this, especially even compared to all the ancient ways where everybody you know, worship the dead, it still Mm -hmm. often went through one, you know, a specialized person. Um, And spiritualism was like, anybody can do it. And obviously some people are more um, able slash willing. And there was a lot of focus on purity in the medium, which is why young girls were often the ones Mm -hmm. that were seen and and became mediums because they were seen as pure. Mm -hmm. Uh, eye roll but you know um <laughs> that's a whole eye roll <laughs> <laughs> um that's a whole nother thing uh, <laughs> um i actually lost track of my <laughs> it's, of all good. it's all good i'm like trying to think of something else i wanted to ask you and i lost track too so it's all good um so is um spirit photography and when that's born part of this whole movement too? It is. And <clears throat> a complicated part. So as soon as we started getting, like like I mentioned, people always wanted to prove this. Even, you know, if you get involved, you're going to want to like have proof, right? Like it's just a human nature thing. And when um, photography came around, it was like, oh, now we can prove it. And the problem that happens when you try to prove things is you're going to also disprove things right like you can't just prove every single thing there's obviously things that are happening that are not real mm-hmm. um not you know it's just part of the the process it's also why you're doing it right is that some 
okay, some fail the test and some don't. Mm -hmm. And uh, spirit photography really introduced that into mediumship and spiritualism in a big way because lots of stuff came out as fake and some stuff didn't. And, you know, we tend to gravitate or like notice, pay attention to this, you know, the failures and the stuff that proves whatever it is we want Mm -hmm. to have proved. Um, But it was just one thing that it just sort of added a complication. It feels like a lot of current spiritualists, it feels like have a little bit of disdain for, for spirit photography or physical mediumship, like, you know, the, this stuff flying around the room kind of things mm-hmm. because it got disproved so often. Right. Um, but I, I'm okay with it <laughs> from, you know, for myself, I don't know. It's- right. So if a skeptic, was to ask you so tell me what is the proof where does the proof lie what would you say it's a great question I ask myself that all the time (laughs) and like what what would be proof for me and um it's it's important to to ask and it would just I would say it's in your experience and I would say you know I'd be like let's you know connect and see what happens because that's that's all there is. That's why it's, that's the beauty of it to me is like, it's nothing but something to do. (laughs) You can talk about it all you want and you can have history and you can have all this stuff, but unless you do it and it quote unquote works, Mm, then otherwise it's, it's about the individual experience. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. What is um, your view and spiritualist view on reincarnation? Mm, Great question. Hot, hot topic. Um, (laughs) There's always been a bit of a divide in spiritualism of who believes in reincarnation and who doesn't. It's sort Mm -hmm. of like a big, big question. Um, I'm trying to separate out my own beliefs a little bit to give a little context. Um, Because it sets up a bit of a conundrum, right? If you're talking to a spirit who has died uh, of a person who has died. And then they, you know, the question is, can that same spirit be reincarnated or does it stay where it is forever? Or can you communicate with somebody as a spirit if they're reincarnated in another human? Like there's just technical complications there. And you kind of just got to like pick, your what makes sense to you and go with it um because we don't we have no idea right like (laughs) we have no idea and also we want to put things into categories all the time right humans and Mm -hmm. so I thought once maybe it's both maybe part of your spirit stays the one that can communicate and then the rest goes off to live a different life I mean Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be one or the other you know it's it's energy by the time it exits our body so I don't know that's I right maybe just do whatever the hell it wants <laughs> right hmm. yeah yep. not that kind of thing is probably closer to the truth anyways of like you know if we have some little definition that we think is the answer it's mm-hmm. like probably wrong or yeah. Some, yeah. something much more much less understandable yeah <laughs> 
I think we just don't know shit. <laughs> really, that's what it comes I, to I agree to. completely. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what feels right. You know, so that's a lot of that's the problem too. It's like a lot of things. Like I'll be like, no, I know this is the way, but it's more like a feeling. I can't really prove it to you with evidence mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know? <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, we're so obsessed with having like facts, hard facts, and evidence like in our face. Otherwise, we don't believe anything. That's so. right. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting um, topic to kind of test that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so how would you say it's evolved as, as a religion? Like, what does it look like now? Now it, well, there's a, there's a few things that have happened. Um, one is that it's split into many, many things. So there is still something called, spiritualism that is a religion um but before we get to what that is um i want to say it's not all of it much of what spiritualism the movement was became other things it became feminism it became psychology it became uh, a bunch of other uh the spiritual church um which is a, a mostly black american segment which split off in the 20s because it the regular spiritualist church kicked all the black members out of segregation. Mm -hmm. So like a bunch of stuff came out of, and and then there's a whole bunch of other religions and um, like uh, move like religious type things that came out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So a bunch of stuff splintered off. Right. And so you've got a little thing in the middle that, that they're like, we got the name (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we still talk to dead people. Um, And that's, that's what it is. It's Mm. people in a church that talk to dead people. It's, it's like a, a form of Protestantism, um, that has a, a focus on the continuity of life. So the, the core belief is about the continuity of life and that mediumship is the way to prove continuity of life, that this is just a phenomenon anyone can do. And it's a, it's just a way to prove, um, you know, this philosophy and this natural law that is that we never really die. And so, you know, it's not a movement anymore. It's a religion. And, you know, there's churches and you can have membership and, you know, it's, it's all those things. What, where are they? How can I find them? And yeah. can anyone just walk in? What's it like when you go in there? Yes. And you should, they're <laughs> everywhere, believe it or not. Um, and it, I, you would love it. And it's so interesting if you're an, uh, interested in different church services. So yeah. it's a lot like a Protestant church service. Um, they're in little buildings all over the country. I mean, I'm in Lilydale and there's like, you know, three or four of them right here. And, uh, but also my parents live in Northern California and they've got two near them in kind of rural Northern California. There's a big one in San Francisco. Um, they're all over and they're very welcoming. Like, I mean, most churches probably are, but like, this is, yeah, people will be very happy to see you. And, um, it's, they will be mostly older. Um, this is not a, um, like recruiting church and there's, a bit of a struggle for membership, which is happening across all churches. And so that you'll see as well, but what the service is like is 
just lovely. It's a lot of singing. Um, there's time for meditation. There's time for the laying on of hands. There's, of course, time for bringing in messages from spirit loved ones. Um, there's always a kind of inspirational talk and a benediction. You know, all the stuff you, you know, you're looking for on a Sunday morning. <laughs> plus talking to dead people. You know. <laughs> I love it. It's the added plus. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. I need to go. I wonder if they're yes. still doing services with COVID and stuff. Most are not. Yeah. Everybody is doing them online. Oh, There's okay. tons online. Oh. Um, I can send you like a bunch of links if you want. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And being in, I'm in Florida, you know, Florida's totally different than like the rest of the U.S. Maybe. Maybe there is some still being held. I don't know. There are. There's actually another lilydale like community called Casadega. Yeah. And I was there like a couple months ago. I was going to ask you about these spiritualist communities. Like what, what's that about? How did they begin? <laughs> right. Um, what they, I mean, this is sort of that burned over district revival thing mm -hmm. in upstate New York, particularly like this is what people did. They like got together in a tent and like talked about, um, at the time, like cutting edge philosophy and science and beliefs and religion. Mm. Um, and there was tons of these communities at that time, um, transcendentalists and the shakers and the Quakers and like, oh, there's all sorts of them. And I never remember all of them, but, um, you know, one of them was, <clears throat> I guess, Lilydale. I don't know. I don't know the specifics of Casadega, but I'm going to guess mm. it's pretty similar or at least they took the idea after a few years and did something similar. So Lilydale really came out of people coming together to talk about um, things like mesmerism, which was like a healing technology at the time. Um, suffrage, the suffrage movement, abolition a bit. Um, and of course, spiritualism was one of the things in, in of those topics, spiritualism sort of, again, kind of won out. And that's mm -hmm. the, what the, community is about now and now it's a uh, religious community and you have to be a, a church member to live here and so it's mm. it's sort of very different from the original idea um but there's something really is really fun to visit did you visit Casadega? I did yeah and we just uh kind of drove around looking at, at all the houses and there's mm -hmm. you know thousands of mediums that live there um there's this cool place called like the fairy forest or something like that it's really cute like mm -hmm. weird little I'm just gonna call it art that people yeah. leave um it was really interesting and yeah we were just looking for a medium um I'm constantly looking for a medium that I will believe because I mm -hmm. deep down, I do believe in all this stuff, but I've never encountered someone that made me go, holy shit. Okay. This is real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, you know, I have a feeling about this guy. Like we found out about him. We actually went twice. Cause when we went, my friend and I went, they were about to close. Like all the, they close at like five or six or something like that. They start taking, um, walk in appointments. Mm -hmm. So, then we went back for this guy that we found and I had a good feeling and my friend had a great experience, but mm -hmm. me, I don't know if it's me. Like, am I the freaking problem? I am starting to think I'm the problem and people can't. 
with me. I don't know, but it's always like everyone else has all these great experiences. Like some people even see ghosts and I'm over here since I was little wanting to experience these things. Mm -hmm. They never happened to me. I don't know why. Oh, that's so interesting. And um, I think we should do a reading and just see what it's like. And then I can tell you if it's you or not. No. (laughs) Okay. I mean, the, the answer without knowing, and you're not even asking, but if yeah. you want, I can tell you the answer. To I'm, I'm asking. Man. Okay, great. <laughs> tell me. Um, it's, it's yes. And no, um, you know, the thing is a medium has to connect with your spirit realm. Like we have to connect with you first. Like mm-hmm. the way I learned mediumship is I connect really through the heart with the person I'm reading for. And so it's possible if the person I'm trying to connect with isn't open that way, um, that it's hard to connect with, but I doesn't really sound like that is the problem that you're experiencing. So I want to say that is possible and somebody definitely could tell you it's you. Um, but it sounds like something else and it could be the mediums who knows. It's weird. I mean, part of the reason that I have this podcast is because having that, you know, I'm like, I'm so interested in death and the afterlife, but I'm like blocked from mm-hmm. actually like personal experience in relation to it. So I'm over here having this podcast, just trying to figure out what the hell I believe. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know, just yeah. talking to people. I'm trying to understand what's what's going on. Have you ever <laughs> done any mediumship yourself? No. Like learned any? No, but I've been told that I might have psychic abilities, which is weird. I've been told that by several people. I'm sure you do. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> but do you think everyone does and you just have to develop them? Absolutely. Okay. Um, but lots of people don't want to and lots of people, you know, I don't think everybody needs to or anything. Mm. Uh, definitely. It's an innate human capacity that is really trained out of us from early childhood um but if you I said that because if you are interested in this stuff then usually it's because you've been having experiences that you don't sometimes when I first started doing mediumship I was like holy moly I don't know your audience if I can swear I swear all the time (laughs) (laughs) um I am doing this all the time. Like I had no idea that things can come into my brain. I mean, to be very rudimentary about it, things can come into my brain that aren't necessarily from my brain. Right. Like it isn't all me. Like I'd love to think that like, I'm this, you know, I'm, I'm coming up with all of this, but right. I've, I've realized it's, Oh yeah. That there's more going on than mm. I realized. Hmm. Yeah. So you think it's, other spirits or do you think it's just all the information everything is kind of out there and sometimes we tune into it and sometimes we don't yeah and that's where my beliefs are a little they spiritualism fits into them but they're a little broader because I connect with not just spirits like there is yes what you the latter part like there's just everything all the time and you can connect with anything and everything thing Mm. yeah and are you able to decide going into it what or whom or whatever you're going to connect with okay that's a really important part of it in my own personal practice like 
but it, that is, I have found the most difficult part to develop mm. is that it's, it's a combination of discernment and, um, a certain level of skill and a big, big amount of like a challenge between the two sides of your brain, because with identifying this, this is going to get a little technical, identifying the source of information in your brain, for example, um, requires you, you know, there's a right or wrong answer. And that is a different part of the brain than receives all of this other stuff. Right. And so as soon as I know there's a right or wrong answer, my like open connection to all that is, is suddenly like, Oh, I'm scared. Maybe it's wrong. You know? So that to me is the hard part and that's what takes years to develop and I'm okay at it, but it's definitely, I need many more years to get good at it. Hmm. Do, do other people, other mediums experience that as well? Is that like a common problem or I don't know what to call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't speak for anyone specifically. I do know that it is a, it varies, of course, mm-hmm. uh, some people, and it varies with those things, right? If you've got great inner authority and you're like, I know, you know, I know, mm-hmm. you know, some people just know. And if you also are not a super like analytical person and you are less or you're able to kind of remove that filter and you're less like flustered by your need to be right or wrong, you'll also have less of a problem with it. And I'm, like I said, recovering intellectual, so I want to be right. And, and so I'm nervous about it. Yeah. And so that's the skill for me to like unlearn in order to be better at that. Yes, I think this because it's has just, something to do with my problem with. Yeah, yeah, all that. Co- yeah, mm-hmm. because it, it's the same information as I get from spirit. It's just all of a sudden because it can be so clearly right or wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's silly that that's the one part that I'm like oh, I'm not sure about, but I can tell you like a hundred other details, which is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, the, hmm, this is so interesting, hmm. yeah. and it's it's like a journey as for like personal growth too. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for beginners, say Mm -hmm. me or anyone that's never dealt with communicating with a spirit, um, how can they begin to practice that? Or how can they begin connecting with maybe their ancestors or whatever? Yeah. Uh, Love this question. I love when anybody wants to do this. So the first thing I recommend if you're like totally new is to, um, and because I'm a brain person, um, what I, I'm going to, I'm going to do it the other way around. What I did is I researched my genealogy. Mm. So I got really, um, like as many generations back as I could with all of my lines of, of, um, ancestry and started to learn where people are from and who they are and what they were like. And, um, at the same time I started, uh, setting up a, or I set up a, an ancestor altar and started, um, what you could use the word praying to them, but just kind of remembering them. And there's lots of ways to make an altar. Um, and it, you know, 
I think it's really great to have something in the physical world and bringing little, you know, I like to put like food and flowers and just nice things and, uh, and then just spend time every day remembering and whatever that means to you, like thinking of memories, um, imagining conversations, like just, uh, any way that you can think of to literally just spend time with those people that came before you. And, um, then, you know, when you feel like there's something there and you want to, there's two things. So you can keep going on your own with your own ancestors indefinitely your whole life and developing relationships with them, you know, for me has changed my life. And it's, you know, it's so funny. I heard on the radio last night, this like pop, pop station talking about like how scientifically they've proven that it's healthy to have an imaginary friend now. Like they're saying like you should have one. And I was laughing so hard because I'm like, I mean, you could say my, my ancestor relationships kind of fall into that, but I totally know that, you know, they're invisible. Um, but the, it's changed my life. And like, I'm so much less lonely, like to be very simple about it. Like there's some, there's like actually millions of people probably that came before me that like my D their TNA is in my body. Like, yeah, it's you wild know? to think about. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah, you really get into so that, funny. you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is, you know, I'm going to be okay. Um, <laughs> mm, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that. And I can recommend some books that ancestor, uh, what is it called? Ancestry, ancestry medicine, ancestor medicine mm. by Dr. Daniel four is an amazing book to kind of self guide yourself through mm. some of that kind of thing. Um, but if you want to mediumship is slightly different in that I like I have those relationships with my loved ones. I don't like have do mediumship with my loved one, like my mm-hmm. ancestors, right? I don't, right? Because mediumship, you're technically like, this is this is like a, a linguistic problem, right? You are doing mediumship. You're connecting and communing with, you know, the dead. <laughs> They're the unseen. But what, when we think of traditional mediumship, it's like you and me and I talk to spirit and then I tell you what happens, right? And if you're doing it for yourself, there's not another person. However, I really recommend finding a community that you can practice with because that's where that brain of ours, it's like, I want to make sure this is real. Um, and I want to talk about it. And I think that's really important. And that's where spiritualism, again, right? That's where why it's important is it was people you can talk about this stuff with and try it with and be like, am I crazy? <laughs> And they're always like, no, I do that too. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Wow. Okay. So that book you would recommend Mm -hmm. for for beginners and then wherever they want to take it, if they want to continue down that path or maybe more into mediumship. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I need to start doing this. Um, Yeah. Yeah, come to my development circles and come try it out. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Wait, what is what is that? What since we're gonna talk about your development circle, like tell me more about how people can get in touch with you and the book club and like all the things that you offer. Yeah. So (laughs) probably my favorite thing is the development circle. Um, 
we meet on the first of every month and we do exactly what I was just talking about. We basically talk about stuff that's mediumship related. We practice one-on-one with each other. And then we practice in a circle um, where we just, you know, I always say good old fashioned sitting in the dark in the quiet and seeing what happened mm-hmm. happens. And like, that's really what it is at its core. And yeah, so we do that. And I love, I love doing it, talking to people about this stuff, talking, you know, is really fun. Yeah. Um, and then I just remembered something that I forgot to say earlier that I mm-hmm. want to say is yes. the other part in developing this stuff is meditation. And it's really important uh, because all of these things we're talking about are very subtle. They're feelings, subtle feelings in our body. They're subtle thoughts. They're, they're quiet. And in, unless we have a practice of, you know, turning down the wildness in our brains and all the pain and whatever is going on in our body, then it's really hard to hear mm. literally. So I wanted to add that. Yes. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I have, developed a mediumship process specifically for creativity and kind of taking what I do as a medium and then uh, using it to inspire artwork or writing or whatever, you know, form of create creation you engage in. Uh, And I teach that with morbid anatomy. Um, What else? And then with morbid anatomy as well. I have a book club. So if you're into the history part, the spiritualism yeah. history, we study on the 15th of every month. We I have a big old book list and we get together and talk about all this stuff, which nice. is so fun. Yeah. Wow. So much cool stuff going on in your life. <laughs> yes. I feel that way too. It's very <laughs> exciting. I love it. And how can people get in touch with you? Where can they find you? Um, I am on Instagram at, um, at unknow it all. So like not know it all. I'm an unknow it all. Um, <laughs> and my website is uh, nobox.us and the mediumship part is slash unseen. Uh, or you can, you know, email me. No box. The, as there's in... contact form on there and stuff. Yeah. So what's the no box about? <laughs> So I actually made this website the first, like I bought the domain when I was in college. So this uh-huh. is like, you know, a long time ago. And uh, I don't know. I just had in my head at the time, don't think outside of the box, think no box. Right. There is no box. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Would be. I love yep. it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I love- yeah, that's I know. Awesome. Me too. I'm, I, I was not that's what I mean by like, it's always been in there. And, you know, at the time I was like doing a double major and studying all the, you know, I was very, I was, there's no spirituality in my life, but there kind of was. Yeah. Yeah. The no box. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) And before I let you go, let me ask you the two questions that I asked. Okay. So number one, if you were to die tomorrow, how would you like to be remembered? I love this question. Um, these sort of thought exercises are so fun. Yeah. And <clears throat> I would love if I'm remembered of like, uh, as me, like she was really just her, you know, like whatever that is, I don't know what that is, but I would love if people were like, yeah, she was, she was her, <laughs> she was doing her thing, you know, she was very her. She, yeah. Yeah. 
She was very Tiffany. <laughs> yeah. I like exactly. that. Yeah. And also it differs between everyone, right? Like how the mm-hmm. you was, which is the interesting. Part. Right. That's true. So different. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, okay. And the second question is if you were to compile all the knowledge and wisdom that you've gained throughout your life into a message to share with the world, what would that message be? Hmm. So now I'm imagining, you know, I'm up in the spirit realm and like one of my, you know, descendants is at a seance, like trying to communicate with me and they're like, bring me a message. And I'm like, (laughs) don't give people advice. (laughs) That's my message. (laughs) Nobody wants advice. Um, (laughs) Um. I, I guess my life is all about change and the one constant, like, you know, how can you not, if, if you're giving advice after be, you know, from, from the heavens, it's going to be cliche, but like the one constant is change. Um, and I really, I have, uh, I sort of naturally embrace that and, uh, but I, but not everywhere, of course. And so I would just really, I just want to give my you know, whoever I was given a message to that, like confidence that, yeah, it's all going to be okay. And, yeah. and, you know, that, that change is, is actually the fun part. Yes. And right? sometimes it doesn't seem fun as you're going mm-hmm. through it, but looking back, you'll realize. Yep. That's right. It's always looking back to, <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs> but yeah, it's part of life. I mean, that's what we're here for. Right experience things so that's right anyway thank you so much it's been lovely and i hope a lot of people show up to your book club and your class and it's gonna be awesome thank you so much for sharing it thank you it's been so fun to talk i really appreciate it hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast if you did please make sure to subscribe and if you'd like leave a review on itunes or wherever you consume your podcasts it really helps spread the message Also, if you'd like to connect with me, follow me on Instagram at conversationsondeath, and I will talk to you guys soon. Take care.